Yes, let's start it. So it is my pleasure to bring out our guest moderator, Grammy-winning producer, Brian Michael Cox, and Robert Glasper. Yeah! What's up? <laughs> oh man, it's good to see y'all. How y'all feeling out there? So, uh, I know some of y'all are probably asking like, uh, well, how is Brian Michael Cox and Robert Glasper connected? Why did they get him? Right. Uh, you know, ah. Uh, uh, yeah. For those of you who don't know, for those of you who don't know who Brian is, well, you know who he is. He's probably in some of your iPods and you don't know it. But he produced a bunch of shit for people. Yeah, you know. Um, Be Without You for Mary J. Blige. Um, Burn, Confessions for Usher. Uh, shake it off uh, for Mariah and yeah. I mean, uh, listen, it's not even all that stuff. It's all good. It's not even about me. This is not about me. It's about him. All that. So you R&D know, and, and y'all understand the connection. It's like me and him grew up together. Money. It's <laughs> cool. Sorry. It's cool. This guy was my best friend for almost twenty years, uh, yeah. which is kind of aging us a bit. I shouldn't. Uh, damn. Went, I to, high, went that. to high school together in Houston. <laughs> At the high school for performing and visual arts. Yeah, the legendary. Brian was a vocal major. Yeah, um, yeah, people don't know that. That's right. They don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Started as a theater major, but ended up being a vocal major. Exactly. Got kicked out of theater. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, got kicked out. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <sighs> so yeah, we're talking about Robert Glasper's Black Radio album. I don't wear hats. I don't even know why I have this on. Someone gave this to me. It was blocking the sun, so I I wore it. I feel very uncomfortable with it. So, of course, they asked me, who better to ask than his best friend to come and ask him a few questions about, you know, the process of making this record, the process of evolution of his music. Um, You know, so I'm going to jump right into it. Of course, I'm getting my Arsenio Hall on, so I need y'all to... I gotta throw some corny, <laughs> some corny shit in there. Yes, 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 yes. What happened to so, Arsenio? Um, they should re- Oh, yeah, a new show coming out. You know that. Shut uh, up. Uh, no doubt. You got a new show coming out. No really? shit. NBC, no doubt. Like coming. a talk show? No, no doubt. New late night show coming out NBC. Yo, can we get on that? Arsenio Hall, Nicole. Get on that. E my blue note. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so, are uh, we gonna jump into it? Of course, Black Radio is a brilliant album. Um, It's an album that I, I believe Robert's been gearing up to make for a long time. So, Rob, what, what was the inspiration behind Black, Black Radio? Um, actually... <laughs> yes, just let us know what's... I just like the music the... and whatever, so... Zach? <laughs> More PVA in the building. <laughs> Zach. <laughs> Zach Foley? <laughs> Shout out yeah. to PVA, Matt Mullenweg in the building. Houston in the building, H-Town. H-Town. Sorry, we just have to do that. Um, uh, inspiration for Black Radio is basically uh, trying to put everything that's in me out on one record, if that makes any sense as possible. 
Because, you know, I, I did a bunch of jazz records first, and I've, even when I was making my jazz records, I was always playing with Tip and Mose and Common and Bilal and all these people in other genres, and I loved that music. I love being minimal. I don't have to play a lot. I love sitting in the back and just playing. It's just genuine. <laughs> I genuinely enjoy it. So I love playing those kind of gigs. So that's a part of my life. That's a part of even growing up with my mother. She was a singer. You know what I mean? I would always do like wedding gigs and all this. So I love all kinds of music. So I just, you know, I wanted to mix up what I, what's in there and put it all, bleh, you know, throw it up. And um, vomited, regurgitated. regurgitated. Um, so this was the timing for it because Eli, Eli Wolf, my A and R over there. Um, <laughs> when I first got, when he signed me to Blue Note in 2005, he actually brought it up like then. But we, he, we both were like, let's wait to do that record. You know what I mean? So I just wanted to, you know, really get respect and get get my jazz thing together first so cats can be like, oh, well, he really can't. You know, you know, being an African-American and playing the piano, if you put something out and it has hip-hop in there, everybody's going to be like, you're the hip-hop piano guy, you know. <laughs> you know, so you never get respect amongst all the jazz pianists, so I want to get that respect. You know, I worked my butt off to learn this craft, you know what I mean? So that's, I wanted that to stand on its own, and then I wanted to do this, so then it's like, that plus that equals that versus coming out off the top like, hey, here's my song with lettuce in. You know, it's like, you don't get the same thing. You know what I mean? So I just definitely wanted to fulfill that part first and then bring in the other stuff. And then you know, the waiting helped because I gained a whole lot more friends by waiting. You know, I met Layla and Lupe and a few other people that I didn't know in 2005. So this was a great time for the record, you know, to, to just pour out my what's in me, honestly, what's in me, and bring it out without having any thoughts of, oh, wait, this isn't, it has to be jazz, so I got to, you know, or if it's R&B record, you got to be like, this isn't R&B enough, you know? If you, when you have that kind of focus, and you have to, you have a record label telling you, you know, if you're making an R&B record, now you got, you know, all these producers in A&R being like, no, that, that ain't hot enough, it got to, you know. I know. No, nah, Playboy, you know. No, Playboy, hey. No, Playboy. That ain't hot, you know, yeah. but <laughs> luckily Blue Note's like, do what you want to do. So I was able to just do what I felt, and whatever that was came out as black radio. You know what I mean? So that's the great thing about that. So, uh, of course, we watched the evolution of you as an artist, and, and, and you know, even as your music from jazz to what you're doing with, with black radio. Um, how do you think, like, what was your expectation? when you were making this record for the public? Because I know a lot of people, how many of y'all have been following Robert since Mood? Y'all know what Mood, you know, his first record, Mood? It's like five people, great, great. <laughs> great, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, I'm saying like, you know, from Mood to now has been, you know, it's been an incredible change. It's been an incredible pr progression. And um, and how, how how did you granted with double booked? Who had double booked in here? Who bought double booked? Uh, double booked kind of in, introduced. That's what introduced the experiment to 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 the to the public. So um, you know, just what were your expectations for this record? I mean, honestly, I thought this was going to be a dope underground, you know, record that people like. You know what I mean? But not like 
I wasn't expecting Billboard to pay attention to it or nothing like that. So when it came up as number four on hip hop and R&B after Rihanna, I was like, yeah. What? <laughs> so, you know yeah. <laughs> Y'all gotta clap it out for that. <laughs> if you would have told me that before the record finished, I would have been like, yeah, I bet you a million dollars is not gonna happen. You know. But that's there's a lot of people who love real music out there. You know what I mean? And I think I think everybody just spoke on it. They saw all the artists that they genuinely love and they saw what this was, and it's like a movement almost, and everybody was just like Championing the record, so it was just like amazing. Like all the love was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's all right, man. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> Why do people look at the tear? Like the oh, no, it always is like it's too. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can't see it. It's clear. So, of course, on Black Radio, you, you, you did a couple of covers. Um, Cherish the Day, which is one of my favorite covers that you've done. Um, what, what inspired the covers? Cherish the Day, of course, is a great, is a great record. And Smells Like Teen Spirit, of course, John Clive out for that. He killed that. He killed that. Um, you know, what, how, how, how has R&B or, or even just pop culture in general influenced you? You know? Um. I mean, we're a part of pop culture. It's kind of who we are and hanging around your ass all the time. I got a lot of R&B in me, you know, from even in high school, he was always writing songs and making beats and, you know, it was always in the R&B. So, and I was always telling him, you know, hey, check out Chikoria. No, really? Out this. No, no, that's no, real. No, it's real. Like, I, we always had. <laughs> now, I tell people all the time, like, the reason why I even know as much as I even know about jazz is because of him. Because, you know, I don't know if you guys know, and, I, and granted, I, I like to bring him up because he's always a part of what we've done c coming up. We had another best friend named Troy Clark, mm -hmm. who he was really into, like, DJ Screw and into the whole H-Town culture. Right. And I was really, really into R&B, and he was really, really into, into jazz. Getting in the car together, going to a party was always hilarious. Always. <laughs> everybody come in with their tapes. <laughs> <laughs> tapes. 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 I said it. Yep. Cassette tapes. Cassette tapes. The gray Maxell cassette tapes. Yes. In my car and the doors didn't work. No, listen, listen. Sidebar. Sorry. First of all, to... when Robert got a car, we got a car. <laughs> Robert was always the one with money. <laughs> when he got money, we had money. Right. I played, I, always, for, we... I played for three churches. No, listen. So. Listen. Catholic church on Saturday. Oh, no. Seventh day of the church Saturdays. Saturday. Catholic church in the morning. And then and Baptist Church Baptist all afternoon. In the afternoon. Yeah. I was balling. 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 Oh, God. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's one of the things where when Rob got a car, we got a car, and, you know, we'd hop in the car, and, you know, Troy would be like, yo, put this tape in, and it'd be like, all, you know, if anybody's from Houston, y'all know what DJ Screw is. It's all slow and it's like, And it's just, you know, hold up, man, 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 man. You know, that, that's all that, right? You know, I, I'm putting in, you know, like Faith Evans and Mary J. Blige and all these right. different records that inspired me. And he'd be like, yo, I'll listen to this, you know, Kenny Garrett, you know, or, or, or Keith Jarrett. <laughs> right. you know, 
And my ear kind of started really gravitating to it. And, and it was amazing because I would tell Rob, when I got older and I started dating, really, really dating women and really looking like for the, like a perfect girl, I would get in the car with her and I'd start playing jazz. And it would be, that, that's how I would like determine what kind of woman she was, right? So, 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 you like I would jazz? get in the car. I, I'll never forget this, right? I got in the car. <laughs> it's like, it's like you would use, you know, you use that as the barometer because, you know, you'd be like, yo, did, did, well, what's her favorite movie? Is Love Jones a favorite movie? She right, you okay. gotta right. slide that in. Right. Right. Slide a little okay. jazz in. And see what's happening. So I remember I told him it was this girl I was really, really feeling like, yo, I mean, everything was perfect about her. Like, just beautiful. She had a great job. She had money. She had me, she needed my money. You know, it was great, right? And I put on Robert's canvas record, right? And we in the car. We just driving. Got the windows down. Beautiful, sunny day in Atlanta. Got the sunroof back driving. She's like, what is this shit? I was like, man, I'm gonna take you back to the airport, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause it's just like, you know, it's, 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 it, 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 we, we really just inspire one another just to kind of grow. And, and, and I think that I'm, I'm the producer who I am today because of my learning with him. You know what I'm saying? And I think that, I really? think. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, you, you, you know, we look up the Quincy. Our Grammys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> It's like 10 Grammys, so they're part of mine too. Five <laughs> really? of them are mine. Five, yes. five. We're gonna, I'm gonna just throw them five to him. Um, but but it's, it's, it's just amazing to understand our, our background. Of course, gospel is always like the, gospel is like the, like the core of it all, you know? I had um, him and Troy singing at all of the churches I played at. Every time they we played at church, the church, was in the Catholic choir. church, they sung in the Seventh-day Adventist church, and they sung in the Baptist church. Absolutely. They were all the choirs, and it, features. And then your mama was always like... Yeah, my mom was the MD at churches that she didn't have anything to do with. <laughs> I still even know how that happened, but yeah. Yep. Nah, so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's incredible for us to be up here and to, and to talk about these good times and this whole, you know, and just really see him grow from this. I told him a long time ago when he first signed a Blue Note, and, I, and, and he explained to me that it was going to be a process, but I was like, yo, like Herbie Hancock put out possibilities. I was like, yo, you need to make you a record like that, you know, because you got to show people that you know... You know this music, you know you know hip hop. Like when we, st we you know, we started really getting into hip hop and the Jay Dilla, uh, when um, Busta Rhymes keep shining. You know, it was a record where, you know, I was really into Busta Rhymes growing up. Like Busta Rhymes, was like one of my favorite rappers. Yes. And I was like, yo, it's the CD man. His first solo album. I was like, you gotta listen to this record called Keep Shining. It's crazy. And what I couldn't hear or didn't really understand what it was, he understood. I just thought the beat was just unorthodox. But he actually heard something totally different. He heard the genius behind it. He heard the jazz in it. He heard what I couldn't hear. And he explained to me, yo, this, you don't understand. Like, this is beyond. It's still my favorite Dilla beat. When I met yeah. Dilla in 99, I went down to his basement. I met him in his basement. He stuck his hand out to shake my hand, and I didn't shake it. I was like, where'd you get still shining? <laughs> <laughs> And he literally pulled the records out and showed me. He was yeah. like, yeah, I just took this and 
Like, yeah, that's it. I'm like, yeah. really? That's yeah, it? really, that's it? That's it? Really? Okay, yeah, I'll do that really? tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. And it's amazing because I always was a, I always was a Dilla fan and didn't really understand why I was a Dilla fan. And, and he actually made me understand why I was a Dilla fan. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, um, and, and, you know, which leads me, you know, to really... We didn't answer the damn question. I'm about to ask a question about now, About the man. chairs today and the, uh, shot, the covers. Uh, we yeah. just kind of went all the way we around, didn't we? We just started talking all the time. Yes, we did. Yeah, okay. Oh. Answer the chairs today. Uh, um, the chairs today <laughs> cover. For some reason, when I met Layla, um, I, I met Layla... Oh, that's what happened. Yes, this is exactly what happened. I was producing Gretchen Parlato's... Anybody yes. Gretchen Parlato? Yes. Her record, um, um, the hell is it called? You drew a blank, man. Don't worry about it. Just, what just is, what's Gretchen's album called? Lost and Found. Thank you. Derek, you're on bass. You didn't even help me out. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. <laughs> you forgot also. Lost. <laughs> now I found it. It's called Lost and Found. Anyway. The day before the recording, we were like having a rehearsal or something. And yeah, the night before, we were having a rehearsal. And Layla was in town at BB King's um, doing a show. So we all went. Lord Jesus. And I had never seen her live. And it changed my life. I saw her live. And I, first of all, Prince was sitting next to me. We, we were kicking it. Yeah, we were kicking it. Actually, he has no idea who I am. He was just sitting in the next booth. <laughs> But in my mind, we were kicking it. I was like, <laughs> crazy. Um, but, but he was like, Flora, he was like, we were both like, ah! You know, so I went backstage and I met her and I was like, I really want to do a show with you. So a few months later, I had a show at Blue Note and I had her as my special guest. And for some reason, I just, in my mind, I was like, I want to do Cherish Today. That's it. In my mind, I was like, I want to do a cover. Cause we did a bunch of original tunes of hers. And I was like, I want to do a cover that everybody knows you know, and I was like, oh, Cherish Today. So, I, so we came in that sound check. She was like, I kind of know it. Put up her iPhone and looked at the lyrics like, all right, we can do it. You know, we winged it for two sets and that was it. And then I was like, I want to do that. Oh, by the way, you want to do my record? I'm doing a record. She's like, all right, cool. So she came to the studio and we did a sound check, which is what you hear on the record. The actual, what you hear on the record is the sound check. We didn't even do a take. That's why it fades in the way it fades in wow. because she was checking and I started playing and she just started singing and it just the vibe was there and Keith, my engineer, just kept going, you know, and we just kept the take. And Casey literally, everything you see, everything you hear is like literally happening at that moment. There's no overdubs. I don't like overdubbing if I don't really have to do it. I like, to, I like the jazz element of doing everything as it is right there. So literally, Casey's like on the vocal cord, they're like, cherish the day, cherish the day. And, and he got up and walked over to the saxophone, played the sax solo, walked back, and did cherish the day, you know. Like everything's live, like everything you hear. And that was the, that was the sound check. We did not do another take. There are no extra takes from black radio. Because everything was a first take. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. So, smells like Teen Spirit. What, what, what was that whole thing about? I love that song since seventh grade. I don't know why. I just it's the melody's really, the melody's really pretty. It's a pretty melody, and even the chords are pretty. The song is just rocked out, so you don't really realize it, like how pretty the song is and how dope the words are and everything. It's just a pretty song. 
So I've always loved that tune. I've always loved Kurt Cobain, his writing. I love a lot of his songs, you know. So when it was time to do something, we, I don't know when we came up with doing it. Oh, wait, did we do that? that was our first time doing it with Fonte? Probably our first time doing it was with Fonte. And we did a show here in, in the city. And we have Fonte from Little Brother, I guess. And he's one of them cats that, you know, he has no boundary whatsoever with music. So he, we, we can literally go anywhere. So we ended up doing it with him. And then we just started doing it on our own as a band. And came up, and the, the arrangement just kind of, actually every time we play it, the arrangement changes. It's always kind of different, but you know what I mean? So yeah, that's how we came up with it. We just always loved the song. You know. So and of course at the end, which is like one of my favorite moments on our album, is when Layla comes in at the end, and yeah. you know just completely. Layla know, just happened to be yeah. She wasn't even supposed to be at the studio that day. She was literally there hanging out. Like that's what happened at the studio session. Everybody was, I was the people who did not live in LA. I flew them a day. Uh, I flew them in a day early, so they could just be there, and be able to come to the studio, hang out, see what's happening. And then when that happens, then random things happen. That's how Bilal got on Always Shine, because Bilal was there a day early. And we changed the song. Actually, I had a whole other song for Lupe. And Derek was like, no. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what? This song is done. He was like, nah, Rob. You got to do this other joint, the other joint. So Derek made me change it. And then I was like, OK, now we're changing the song. Lupe came to the studio expecting a whole different song. He came to the studio. I gave him the track of the song, so he wrote to it. I told him the vibe and everything. He wrote to it. He came there. I was like, yeah, change of plans. And then he was like, oh, let me hear it. Wrote to it right there on the spot. And then I had Bilal sing a hook, and we kind of did that on the spot. So same thing with Teen Spirit. We already finished. We just finished recording it. Layla watched us do it, and we had the ending. It was just us ending. And I walked in the, in the thing, and I was like, hmm. You want to go in there and try something? She's like, all right. And she went in there and one take, just did that. It was like, I didn't even hear her do it. I was like in the other room eating or something, getting drunk. And um, we keep liquor at the studio. You have to always be, some people take studio too seriously. If you don't I take agree. your, <laughs> I agree. If you don't take your gig seriously, you have to do whatever you do in the studio, whatever you do with your gig, try to do it at the studio as far as, Life, as far as what I do, I try to always make it the same because that's when you're most musically honest, when you're at your gig and that's how you're, everything is how you normally do it. When you go into a studio, people tend to change their whole vibe up and now you're not being yourself anymore and the music's not sounding honest. I drink. So I had, yeah. we had liquor at the studio. So everybody drink, do what you do. If you smoke, hey, smoke, do what you do. And try to keep it as, as, like the gig as possible, because studio can be a cold, depressing, takes all the music, all the, all the imagination out of you, you know, and you're thinking too much, you're like, oh my God, a thousand people are gonna hear this, you know? <laughs> Especially if you're taking solos, yeah. you know, solo after solo, you have each note you play, you're like, oh no, oh God, you know? <laughs> it can be like that, so, and some people, some artists record, that's why you'll hear some artists and they sound great in the studio on a record, but you hear them live, like, ooh. You know, or vice versa. You hear them on the record, and they sound great. You know, there's that that thing isn't worked out somehow. You know, what I mean, to be yourself at all, and on the whole thing. So, um, yeah. So that's what we basically did. We just tried to all be comfortable, and you know, 
Well, I mean, you know, I, I, it's crazy because the way he records versus the way we record, the way I record is, it's two different things, but it's a similar kind of thing. You know what I mean? You know, he drinks, I drink, I go to the strip club. And when I say you, I go to strip club. Yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> and that, you know, but you have to create the vibe, and he's completely right about that. So, you know, we're gonna go into the next uh, phase. People like of this. strip club. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? Well, he makes records, so you have to. If you if you make records, you have yeah. to go places where they play records and see what's hot. True. So you can that, know. No, 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 y'all laugh. You laugh. Oh, no, you laugh. Hold on. <laughs> You laugh. That's, that's true. You laugh, but there is a very, uh, there's a lot of truth to that. <laughs> you know, so when she's on the pole doing what she's doing, and I'm throwing money, when they're playing a the record, it's like, okay, this is what's hot. All right. Let me go. All right. Yeah. All right. They're right. reacting this way right. as I throw my money. Right. This song is making this whole moment happen. Exactly. So when I go back to the studio, we're going to make something that, cre that creates the same. And the money gets thrown back to you. I Will turns right. Yes, that's how the exactly, whole thing exactly. Life. We're gonna to move to the next segment of uh, the whole thing here with the Q and A. Um, we got some uh, some of the helpers out there to get you going. Yeah, with guys, the we're gonna come around to you. So just put up your hands and we'll be me around. Right? I have a question. What other than piano players like melodically? What modes do you practice playing when you prepare? Because I know you have a system that you do, like a, like a hook lick that you do, like what things that you practice on your own, not in a gig, but on your own, that you use that makes you you? Like, I'm trying to figure that out. You know what? Um, composing. Writing makes you you. I don't think you can practice stuff to make you you. You know what I mean? Uh, you, you can, in, in a sense, but I think what, as far as chord changes and that my sound, if you will, comes from writing songs. When once I started composing, that's who you find out who you are. That's how you have your own sound. Now, now you can own that, that's me, versus playing a blues or you know playing other people's songs. You can't find yourself in other people's songs. Or rearranging songs. You can find yourself sometimes too. I love to rearrange songs too. And you put yourself in it. So then you can, once you start composing, you'll start figuring out who you are. You can kind of hear what you gravitate to, kind of hear your thing, you know what I mean? And then your thing becomes a thing. You know what I'm saying? But I don't necessarily have a thing I practice, per se, um, to get my sound or to get, because it's never conscious. You, you don't sit down like, all right, I'm going to practice being original. <laughs> you know, I don't know how to, you know what I mean? But it just comes. It just comes. So for me, I just, you know, of course, practice your instrument and try to, master as much as of your instrument as you can. So then when you master your instrument, then anything you think you want to do, you technically can do it. It's just a point of, have you thought of it yet? You know what I mean? But some people don't master their instrument or even work on their instrument. So they think things that they can't deliver. You know what I mean? And that will stop you from having your own sound and having your own voice and having your own thing because you didn't practice your craft. You know what I mean? Some people, some instruments are harder than others, depending on what it is. Some instruments are easier than others. You know, vocalists have the easiest instrument as far as you're born with it. Everybody can sing. Everybody can sing bad. You know what I mean? Everybody can't play the trumpet even bad. 
Because the trumpet, you have to practice just to get a sound. You know what I mean? You can't even be a bad piano player because you don't even know how to play a chord. I can sing a note. You know what I mean? You have to, everybody has something to practice. So whatever it is, practice just the craft part and the technique part, scales or whatever it is that are boring as hell. You know what I'm saying? But you got to do it. You know, don't say something's boring, but you can't do it. You know what I'm saying? If you can't do it, then okay, you got to learn how to do it. It's boring, but you can't do it. You know what I mean? It's a whole lot of stuff I can't do on the piano. I got to practice. <laughs> but I, I can easily be like, oh, that's boring. I ain't doing that. No, you're not good enough. <laughs> so you got to practice it. Everybody got to practice. Herbie practices. If Herbie, had, if Herbie can practice, everybody in the world can practice. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, everybody. So it's, it really just comes down to practicing the instrument and then composing songs. You know what I mean? So you can eventually figure out what that thing is you have or somebody else will figure it out for you. A lot of times you don't even realize what your sound is. People be like, yo, you do this thing, you know. Or uh, I've had people come up to me earlier in the years and be like, yo, man, we have this thing called the Glasper sound. I'm like, what? I have a sound? Really? Okay, thanks. I didn't, you know, you don't realize it yourself, but it comes out other people, you know what I mean, hear it. So that's kind of... So that spontaneity that you were talking about, you know, having everyone around, having people in the studio, for a project like this where you're bringing people in who are from different genres, whether it's hip-hop or R&B, where that kind of isn't the practice in the way it is in jazz, or maybe initially it was, but as the industry has evolved, it kind of took that spontaneity out. Did you come across any of those people who came in maybe being having a little discomfort with that kind of just let's see what comes out, and it's, it might be great, or it might just be what it is, you know? Yeah, I didn't call those people. <laughs> <laughs> I know those. So I know those artists, and they're not on black radio. Uh, <laughs> the people I have are all people who are just like, "Hey, let's go, what up?" You know, they're like, they're just let's hit it, let's do it. And when you have a, when you have a band like a, like Derek Hodge and Casey Benjamin and Chris, yeah, they all suck. So. I couldn't find them. <laughs> when you have a band like that, you can really do anything you want to. They make anybody comfortable. You know what I mean? And they, they're minimalist at the same time. At the same time, they're amazingly talented and technical. You know what I'm saying? But when you can take that stuff away and play with the music needs, it can make an artist feel very comfortable. A lot of artists sing with a jazz band or whatever, and they're like, yeah, it was just, I didn't, you know. You know, jazz head, jazz cats tend to, you know, if you know it, if you have it, you're going to use it. That's kind of the vibe. You know, I got it, I'm going to use it. I'm playing jazz, so I got it. Like, hey, you know. And they don't have that concept or, you know, or they're not listening. You know, and that's the thing about this band. We listen first. You know what I mean? We listen so well to the point where you would think most of the stuff we're playing is an arrangement because we hear somebody doing something and we immediately go there and it sounds like, oh, they rehearsed this, but we didn't. Literally, probably 75% of the stuff you hear that we do is not, re we've never had a real rehearsal as a band. You know what I mean? So we literally just listen and kind of go with the flow and I'm always listening to Derek, he's listening to me, listening to Casey, he's listening and we just kind of go. And that's what makes stuff musically interesting and you can go on these journeys that you didn't plan. I'm not a person that likes to know what's gonna happen, because I have, I get bored, I have ADD, I get bored. 
and I'll get bored with my own, I get bored with my own shit. You know, I, I need people like them that are bursting with ideas and bursting with things. So then if I'm listening, it, it takes my idea that I have to a whole different level that I wasn't even thinking of. You know what I mean? And that's what makes the band the band. Everybody's done. I'm not one of them band leaders that come in and be like, okay, you play this and you play this. And then on this part, you got to go. Doo, doo. And then, you know, it's like, okay, you get anybody to do that. And, you know, when you have a band of individuals and they all can express themselves honestly at the same time and nobody's, you know, playing with the, you know, the genitals on stage, you know what I'm saying? Not literally, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, yeah, you know, just play what it needs. Give it room to do what it, you know, and silence is music. Space is music, you know what I mean? It all has its place. There's place for technicality too. That has its place and it's great. And then there's place for this. So when you have a band that can do all that stuff, it's very easy to put anybody in the middle of that. We can play with anybody, even people that are scared to play with a band. We can play with them because musically we can make them comfortable. You know what I mean? So that's, you know. So my favorite track on Black Radio is your track with Erica Badu, uh, Afro Blue. And I think it's absolutely brilliant. And I'm just curious if you're planning on continuing actually taking jazz standards, you know, take it out of the real book and rearrange it into this new, you know, this new movement that's happening. Yeah, totally. I, it's funny, with Erica, I've always heard her in my mind singing jazz because she's like an extension of Billie Holiday without trying to be. You know what I mean? She's naturally... And she's never done jazz before. She came to see us. She's like, I'm nervous. And I was like, what? She's like, I've never done this. I've never done jazz before. And I was like, you are jazz. You just, you know, jazz is in you. You know what I mean? You don't have to do a bunch of scatting or nothing. You know, just, you know, just singing the melody in your own way. And she has a, such a style of phrasing. And, and it just fit. It was just, as soon as she started, I was like, oh, God. It was great, but I always heard her singing that in my mind. I've always heard her singing that song in my mind, Afro Blue, because the, the, the words and the song to me is so her. You know, dream of a land my soul is from. I hear a hand stroke on a drum, shades of delight, cocoa hue, rich as the night, Afro Blue. It's beautiful, it's poetry, it's so beautiful. And she thanked me for it. She's like, thank you for this song. You know, this is like amazing, you know what I mean? So it, it was, I definitely will continue to do that I thought it was important. I was struggling with what I was going to have her do at first, because I was like, do I write an original song? And I was like, no, let's do something to bridge the gap, the jazz, the jazz and, and you know, pop culture together. That's what's probably missing in jazz anyway, is pop culture now, anything now. I mean, because jazz is pop culture. I think that, you know, we forget that. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. But jazz is pop culture. Exactly. But people keep using the culture of another time. <laughs> exactly. Which a is popular a culture from another time. So, yeah. use the popular culture of now. Uh, what up, Rob? What up, uh, Human, What up? <laughs> what up? Um, I got those pictures. Thank right, you. Yeah, yeah. No problem. No problem. Um, I've had the the privilege of um, witnessing your career, your band members' careers, for years now, yep. and um, I'm really amazed with uh, how you took Black Radio to imagine and reimagine music. Um, but I don't look at that, um, I don't look at you as just a musician. I also look at you um, from the spectrum of fatherhood. I know that you're a dad now. I was curious to know how, how, how does being a dad 
influence your music? Um, it stops me from writing. Um, <laughs> shit, I ain't practiced in three years. Um, <laughs> no, I have a talented son. So it sucks having a talented son that wants to play piano. Because then, I know that sounds horrible, but no, he's amazing. But every time when I approach the piano, if I approach it, he stops what he's doing. He'll be playing, he'll be like, and stop what he's doing and run over and jump on my lap. And he has to play. And he slaps my hands away. He won't let me show him anything. And he just plays and, and has me look, Papa. And he watches watch the play. So, no, but, you know, writing, um, well, one thing, it, you know, it, it's definitely, a, it's, it's, it's too much inspiration. <laughs> like, you know, I love my son so much, I haven't written a song for him yet because I don't think a song, any song's good enough. You know what I mean? Like, I literally wrote probably like 100 songs and I'm like, ah, it's not good enough after I write it. You know what I mean? He's so special to me, you know what I mean? So he definitely pours that part out of you, like creatively, but it, as far as for him, you know what I mean? But um, yeah, I think, you know, honestly, when you have a child, when you're trying to do something else, it's really hard, really, really hard to do. Um, but also it makes you tap into a different part of you because I literally had to use this more than I ever had to before because I can't play the piano all the time <laughs> when I want to. So I literally have to sit down and think more like, I even think more conceptually now, you know, conceptualizing things and thinking of direction and thinking of other stuff before I even think of the actual song because I have to think of something else because he's awake. So it really makes you actually, it teaches you how to write in a different way than you're normally used to writing. You know what I mean? So it's, it's dope. It's like you close one door but open another one. So now when, I, when both doors, then you'll have two doors in a minute, you know, then it's like, oh, snap. I, you know, it's so much, more, so much more room to do things, you know, if that made any sense whatsoever. All right, so we want to thank you all for your questions and, you know, clap it out for my man Robert Glasper. Brian Cox. Oh, man. <laughs> so, look, we're going to get off the stage, but you guys don't go anywhere because the experiment's going to come up here and they're going to give you all a show. It's going to be crazy. So, sit still. It's going to be enjoyable. It's going to be great. I'm going to get me a drink. <laughs> you sound like We're a host. We're going to get it popping. Uh, <laughs> let's get busy. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. We'll be Indeed. back. Thank you.